Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. And I think we can all agree that the shape of the American workforce has certainly changed over the last decade and perhaps most substantially in the, in the last couple of years. You know, while a generation or two ago workers would seek out a job with a, with a big company and then with, with some hard work and luck, they would uh, look to spend their entire career with that organization. Uh, the young men and women currently entering the workforce come with a completely different set of expectations. And now I think most look to change companies every two to three years, and actually records show that they completely change careers every seven to ten. So that that kind of sets us up for our discussion today. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, and we're going to talk uh, today with one of my favorite guests, Attorney Joshua Nesser of Lavelle Law Limited. We always have uh, spirited and informed discussions with Josh. And today we'll discuss a segment of the workforce I'm going to tell you more about that in just a minute, but first let me say hello and welcome to Josh. Josh, good afternoon. Thanks, Jim. Great to be back. So in addition to more fluid and mobile careers, we're seeing that in many cases both corporation and workers see advantages to establishing an independent contractor relationship. Um, you know, in, in this case, the worker may still be dedicated full-time to the company, but doesn't serve as an employee, but rather a separate hired entity. Uh, now, we could have an entire discussion about the advantages to each party about that, but, but that's not our point today. Instead, we want to talk about some of the factors around that and how it impacts taxes and other things. So uh, with that distinction aside, tell us a little bit, first of all, about the identifiable differences between an employee and a contractor. Yeah, the real difference between an employee and the contractor is the extent to which the employer or I guess in the case of a contractor as a non-employer, controls the work that they do. Um, in, in an employer-employee for relationship, for the most part, the employer controls how the employee performs. They control when, where, and how work is done. When it comes to contractors, the, the, the business they're contracting with doesn't really have that sort of control. It's up to the contractor to do the work how they want, when they want, and where they want to, to some extent, all the all they are really expected to do is to achieve the results that are expected of them. Uh, so that's the biggest difference. And usually, contractors have their own businesses, have their own business cards with their name and business name, while an employee is basically an agent and representative of the employer. So for that relationship, probably works out well for both. They're they're happy to have that relationship. But why is it important to differentiate and classify? Uh, the, the status of a worker, employee, or contractor? Why is it important to, to sort of uh, to, to designate which they are for, for, for various purposes? One of the, the, the biggest reasons that it's important, and I think most of what we're going to talk about today, is for tax purposes and, and the difference between how employees and contractors must be treated under tax laws. Uh, a lot of businesses will seek to treat their workers as contractors rather than employees because of the tax savings and kind of the, the easier system that comes along, along with doing so. With employees, employers must, as we all know, withhold the federal and state income taxes and FICA payments from their pay 
and pay that to the IRS and the Department of Revenue. And also, employers must pay out of their own pockets their portion of the FICA taxes. Um, on the other hand, when a business is making a pay, payment to a contractor, the business makes the gross amount of that pay, and it's up to the contractor to pay their taxes via income taxes, um, their own self-employment taxes, and so forth. So when, when a business can treat its workers as a contractor, it comes with a lot less tax burdens and some tax savings. All right, so as you mentioned, it, you know, taxes are important, and today we're going to talk about an IRS program that, that offers some relief on tax penalties if employers have perhaps mischaracterized contractors. First of all, you know, why, or I guess the question would be, would it be for those tax benefits that an employer would, in fact, mischaracterize knowingly sort of slot someone as a contractor rather than an employee? Because I'm sure there's sort of rules around how, to, how they can or can't do that. That's correct. It's not really up to a business whether their worker is an employer, an employee, or a contractor. Basically, the relationship is what it is, and then under IRS guidelines, that person is an employee or is a contractor. Again, a lot of times it comes back to that control, how much control the business has over the worker. Um, and yes, when, when businesses are mischaracterizing their workers, at least on purpose, or when the workers themselves are saying to the business, characterize me as a contractor rather than an employee, a lot of times the, the tax savings and, and the lesser tax burden um, is the driving force behind that. Now, I, I mentioned just a minute ago in my question, maybe I, I jumped the gun, I, I mentioned penalties. Maybe that wasn't the right word, but we'll get into that description. But what exposure relative to tax obligations does an employer have if it treats an employee as a contractor? Is there some risk and opportunity there for them to be at odds with the IRS? Yes, and actually all that risk falls onto the employer or whatever you want to call it, rather than the worker, him or herself. Okay. Um, all of those payments that the, that the employer is supposed to be paying to the IRS, including the tax withholding, the employee's FICA, and the employer's FICA, fall on the employer's shoulders. So when that money is not remitted to the IRS, if the IRS were to launch some type of employment tax audit and determine that this is actually an employee and these taxes should have been paid to the IRS, it's going to be up to the employer to pay all of that amount to the IRS for the last several years, plus penalties, plus interest, which can get significantly expensive. Um, and that burden's not really going to fall on the, the worker himself or herself. Now, the business will get any credit for taxes that might have been paid in by that employee, but you're looking at a huge amount of potential liability. To add to that, the IRS will determine who within the employer was responsible for those taxes not being withheld from employees' wages and paid to the IRS. And that person will be held personally responsible for those unpaid taxes. So it's not only a huge risk for the business, it's a huge risk for the, the business owners, the officers, the directors, whoever there has responsibility for making sure the taxes are withheld and paid to the IRS. Well, that is a very significant issue there if it's a personal liability. Uh, now, when we've talked in the past about different tax issues, uh, just individual taxes, even corporate taxes, there's frequently discussion about IRS programs that allow people to come clean, make themselves whole on, on past debts or what they might owe. I think today we're going to talk a little bit about a voluntary worker classification settlement program, kind of a long title there. Maybe you can kind of tell us a little bit about what that is. Yeah, so the, the, like you said, the Voluntary Worker Classification Settlement Program, they call it the VCSP to kind of save some time. Um, 
it's a potential tool that is available to, to taxpayers that meet certain requirements who really have maybe mischaracterized their employees as independent contractors but haven't done so with a malicious intent. One of the requirements of getting into this program is that your mischaracterization was reasonable and inadvertent. So you weren't purposely mischaracterizing them to save taxes, and your viewpoint that they were contractors was, was reasonable. It wasn't obviously um, incorrect. If you meet those requirements and other ones, you can get into this VCSP, which allows you to, going forward, reclassify your contractors as employees, which they should have been classified as in the first place, and at the same time reduce your potential exposure and save on penalties and interest. Uh, I'm talking with Joshua Nesser of Lavelle Law Limited today, um, and that always means great conversation. Our topic is the IRS Voluntary Worker Classification Settlement Program. Uh, we just started getting into that a little bit, and, and Josh is providing us with some great detail that should be a benefit to a number of companies listening who you know, may have had difficulty or errors in classifying employees uh, for tax purposes. Um, you, you mentioned the fact that um, it sounded to me like one of the requirements is that this sort of had to be a mistake rather than intentional. Is there a way that the IRS looks at that, and if, if they find that it was done, um, for lack of a better term, maliciously, then all bets are off for the program? That's correct. Like you said, it has to be um, an innocent mistake, meaning the employer didn't know that this mischaracterization was wrong, um, and it has to be reasonable. So the IRS will kind of look at the circumstances and say, maybe this person should have been characterized as an employee, but, but it was kind of a, a, a close question. Now, when there's somebody who is in your office every day performing the job as you tell them to do it, wearing your uniform, et cetera, there's really not much of a question whether they're an employee or a contractor, they're an employee. So in obvious situations like that, the VCSP probably is not going to be available. But for taxpayers that legitimately have made a mistake, had a close question, decided the wrong way, uh, this, this is an important tool for possible relief for them. And, and what would some of the advantages be? Primarily, is it just reduce their risk of penalty and the amount they might owe? Are there any other advantages to going ahead and stepping up to pursue this? Well, the biggest advantage um, is the reduction in your possible liability. Mm-hmm. If, if the IRS initiates an employment tax audit and determines that for the last several years you've been mischaracterizing these employees, they can make you pay all the unpaid taxes for those last several years which obviously can turn into a huge amount, especially when there's a lot of um, employees at issue. Through the VCSP, if you meet the requirements and do everything they ask of you, what they'll say is rather than paying all those past due taxes, we'll determine what taxes you should have paid last year, and all you have to do is pay 10% of that to us. So that's a great reduction in and of itself. In addition, the IRS will agree not to assess against you any penalties or interest. So the savings especially with larger entities, can just be astronomical. And also, you kind of have the peace of mind once you go through this program that that you know you're not going to have any liabilities coming from the past and and you can move forward with kind of a clean slate. Um, Sounds inviting, and it sounds like it's, um, you know, a lot lot more upside than downside. Now, if if we've got a business owner who's listening and feels that maybe they ought to pursue being a part of this program, should they just get on the phone and contact the IRS or are there things they should be aware of and maybe work through their attorney first before reaching out? Definitely the first step anyone should take, especially before contacting the IRS, is calling an attorney, calling somebody who's experienced in dealing with the IRS and specifically with these employment tax issues. You never know. Maybe maybe 
an employer hears this and, and thinks they are mischaracterizing their employees, and actually they're not. They're correct to, to characterize them as contractors, in which case nothing really needs to be done, and it's good to have an attorney's point of view to point that out. Um, more importantly, one of, the, one of the VCSP requirements is that you are not already under audit by the IRS for employment tax issues. Uh, that's why I say you should immediately contact an attorney if you think there's a problem because if the IRS kind of moves first and initiates that audit, the VCSP is off the table and all those savings you could have had are gone. So if there's an issue, contact an attorney right away. Let them know exactly what the circumstances are that are going on and they can advise you whether the VCSP is something that you should look further into. And also, as with anything with the IRS, there's very specific requirements for getting into the program. There's very specific steps you must take once you are in the program. And if you're not used to dealing with the IRS, it's very easy to, to take a misstep or to miss a step or just one way or another to not do what the IRS wants you to do, which again could cause you to lose all the possible savings. An attorney who works with the IRS a lot knows how the IRS works, knows what shortcuts you can take and what you can't, and they can advise you to properly participate in this program, which, which is everybody's goal. You know, one of the things we, we talk frequently with one of your colleagues, Jim Boyd, about small businesses and getting businesses set up properly when they're just in formation stage. And, um, of course, Tim Hughes from, from your office is off and on talking about uh, taxes and how to, how to create the right structure. sounds to me like something that if you're a business and you're looking at potentially using contractors before you even get to this point, maybe it's a good time to make a call to, to the attorney and say, look, I'm thinking about it. What are the rules I should follow? So are there good enough guidelines that someone could make a clear choice up front and never get in this situation? Uh, somebody who's been experienced working with employees and contractors may, may have sufficient knowledge to make that determination, but I would, I would say always contact your attorney before you start yeah. bringing on employees or hiring contractors, not only to make sure you're doing the right thing tax-wise, but also to make sure you have the proper agreements in place with them. Um, you're protecting yourself, your business, and the workers. So anytime you're making a decision to bring somebody on, in any capacity, it's always a good idea just to reach out to your attorney and give them a heads up and get any advice they may have. Well, we certainly share the advice that we've gotten today from, from Joshua Nesser. Unfortunately, we always run out of time, uh, but I do appreciate the input. Very interesting conversation. Now, if you'd like to share this with somebody, recommend it to someone else. Um, these podcasts are available. You can find them here at blogtalkradio.com, lavellelaw.com, or iTunes. Just search for Chicago's Legal Latte or Lavelle Law, and you'll find a complete collection. I hope you'll enjoy listening to those and look forward to having you with us again next week. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. 